Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Thank you. Well, good morning again, everyone, church. Somebody's coffee here, but I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, a joy as it's already been said to be in the house of God and uh, just meeting with Him, having an expectation of what God wants to what God wants to do, you know. And and uh, He can speak something to you and speak something totally different to the person sitting next to you, right? And uh, speaking about new beginnings. You know, whether it's uh, coming into a new building or whatever it is, uh, you know, God's a God of new beginnings. And uh, we find in Genesis, you know, and I want to, I'm going to jump right into Genesis here. And uh, in chapter three, and you know, God has just finished creating the world uh, and, and creating man and woman and set them in the garden. And uh, I don't know what the actual period of time is because the scripture isn't specific on that. How long were Adam and Eve walking together and in that bliss and that unity until everything fell apart? And, uh, you know, years ago I watched this movie. Uh, it was called Fires of Kuwait. Maybe some of you watched it. It was at the IMAX theater that I watched it anyways in Ottawa. And uh, it was way back in the 90s. If you remember Sudan Hussein, some of you will in that generation, remember that name, um, a very evil man, evil leader, and he went in and invaded um, uh, Kuwait to take over all their oil wells and everything. And uh, anyway, so then, of course, you know, uh, the other nations and that rose up and said, look, you need to get out of there. And he resisted. So, of course, the other nations, including the U.S. and some others, came in. And within six weeks, it was all over. But in his last final uh, attempt of rage, um, you know, he decided to detonate and blow up every single one of those oil wells, which set them all on fire. Over 700 oil wells were on fire. Uh, probably the worst environmental catastrophe that we've ever known. And, you know, just everything, the, the, the scene in this show, uh, and it's only a 45 or so minute documentary, really encourage you to watch it. But, um, you know, everything's just, you see these huge fires all over the place and just billowing in smoke. And that area had no sunlight at all for, for days or, well, for days, for months, uh, because he had set all these things on fire. And so, you know, the people came in to kind of assess the situation. What are we going to do? And it just, it looked hopeless because, uh, you know, all the sands, because it was kind of out, all these oil wells road in the, in the desert area, and all the sand had all this oil sludge on it, all this smoke, of course, is billowing up. And uh, how do you even get to these oil wells to begin to deal with them? And so, uh, you know, something they thought it was going to take, they predicted about five to ten years to begin to deal with all of these oil wells. Long and short of it was, uh, they managed to accomplish it in nine months. Just incredible. And uh, it was just about all the different nations. Forty nations came together, uh, and they brought thousands of tons of heavy equipment uh, in from all, all these different countries. Uh, it was the biggest non-military uh, mobilization that there had ever been in history. And they were able to go in. They had to put, you know, they had to take these loads of clay. They had to build hundreds of miles of uh, using clay of roads to each oil well. Uh, and they used clay because that way the, you know, this oil sludge wouldn't, wouldn't uh, 
penetrate up through the through the roads. And so, you know, just all this from the the smallest detail of just building roads to actually getting to these uh, oil wells and dealing with them. And every single oil well had its own personality. Like, so they had to always approach it a different way with different techniques and things. And, uh, but you know, here's this incredible catastrophe. And I just think that sometimes it's so true to our human lives, you know, that everything's just in smoke. It's like you just get started sometimes and everything seems to be going up in smoke. It's like, how do you get it all back under control again? Well, you know what? Our God has dealt with the same problem, right? He brought forth life. He gave us the opportunity uh, to, to love on him, to walk with him, and we blew it, you know? And it goes on. We, we feel this all in our own lives. And so the, the, the title of my message this morning is, you, you maybe heard this old saying, turn or burn, which is a call to repentance. My message this morning is turn the burn, Okay. How do we turn the burn uh, in our life when these things are going on? You know, we're, we're just like this precious oil that was there in Kuwait um, and was just, you know, billowing out of these, uh, all of these oil wells. And, and all that precious oil was just going up in smoke. You know, sometimes in our own lives, uh, because of the things that we get involved in in our lives, or we just get distracted, we get caught up with other things. And all of your potential, all of my potential sometimes, can just be going up in smoke. And how do we turn that around? How do we turn that burn? How do we begin to put out these fires in our lives and, and begin to, to get back to where God wants us to be? And you know what? Uh, here in Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 14 to 18. And we see after man has fallen, God comes here. And he says, uh, he says to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Wow, awesome. Right, right from the start, God here, he's already got a plan in place. And this is the first prophetic word, the first declaration of the sign that we see, that he's sending somebody. It's going to be the seed of the woman, the seed of the man. Uh, it's going to come from them that he's going to send a deliverer. He's going to send a savior. He's going to send someone who is going to turn the burn. And to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Uh, the thing that so captured my heart one day as I was reading this was that, you know, when God is speaking this curse uh, upon humanity, and you'll notice here, uh, it's, it's good to know that, the Lord curses the devil 
because he said, you are cursed. But when he's speaking to the woman and to the man, he does not say that they are cursed. There's a curse that's going to come upon them, right? There's going to be pain. There's going to be toil. There's going to be sweat. There's going to be a lot of hardship now. But he doesn't say that to them. But, but he does speak about this enmity that he's going to put between them and, and the serpent, which we know was the devil, right, who came in there and, and deceived and caused them to, to fall into sin, which they chose, which they chose. And uh, none, none of us are going to stand before God and say, well, the devil made me do it. You know, well, he might have participated, but, but you, you, you cooperated with him. Okay, so, so we see here this promise of a Savior. And, um, and the, the Lord here, when he pronounces this curse, the thing that so hit me one day as I began saying, was that when God is speaking that, uh, in the moment that is coming out of his mouth, he knows that the full weight of that curse is ultimately going to come upon his own son. That one day he's going to send into the world for you and for me. So never think that, you know, when, when, when God's saying these things uh, throughout his word, uh, the judgment or the discipline that's going to come, never think that he doesn't feel it himself. Because from the beginning, uh, he intended to carry the full weight of that upon himself. And so, you know, he pronounces that. And I, I think just on that lo- note too, you know, as parents or with our children, uh, let's remember when you when you speak something, you're going to feel that too. You know, if you have to measure out some discipline or whatever, you feel that it, it it comes back to you as well. And so we have to, you know, choose our words wisely uh, as we speak and as we we bring the correction that God wants. So, so I think we have some clues here in this. Chapter 3 of Genesis, right from the min- moment when God pronounces the curse, how he is intending for you and me uh, to turn the burn and how he's going to help us to turn the burn. And uh, he says, uh, you know, to the woman, he says to her, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and pain. Uh, you shall bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. You know, this thing here about your desire shall be for your husband, uh, I think is, is so interesting, and I believe it's twofold. One is, I believe God says that because he's saying that there's been a disconnect now. The closeness, the relationship they had is now broken, and there's going to be a desire in her heart to want to reconnect again, to want that closeness again. And so that desire is going to be there. It's going to be the thing uh, that draws her um, because she's always seeking again to, to reestablish that, that security, that safety. And, and understand, as I'm speaking of the woman, as I'm speaking of the man, I'm really speaking of both of them in a sense at the same time because we're, 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 we're humanity. We're together in this, uh, even in the, in the mess, even in the brokenness. Right, even in everything when it's billowing up in smoke, um, and so God is saying, "Your desire uh, shall be for your husband." And so the Lord is pointing out to her that your way back to Him is going to be through relationship, because your desire is going to be for your husband. Now, if you go back a few verses, uh, if you recall the story 
when God's calling out to Adam and says, Adam, Adam, where are you? And he said, you know, while well, I was afraid, I hid in the garden. And he said, why have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to? And he said, well, the woman that you gave me, uh, she gave this fruit to me to eat. And so he throws Eve under the bus, right? And yet now, in this verse, he's saying your desire will be for your husband. In other words, he's saying the relationship that brought brokenness to you will be that will be one of the tools that I will use to actually bring you back into relationship, to bring you back into wholeness. You know, as we go through life, uh, in one measure or another, whatever brokenness you experience, whatever pain that you and I experience, it all comes back to relationship. You know, I don't care whether you're at work or what it is that's going on. It always comes down to relationships. The hardest part of any job is relationships, and, and I have a great relationship with Pastor Travis, so don't draw any conclusions there. But, you know, it always comes back to relationships that are going on. And so, but God wants you to know that when you're broken through relationships, relationships is also his way back for you to get healing. And so avoiding, and here's the catch, trying to avoid relations, trying to isolate yourself, that is not the answer. But it's, it's to learn how do I find healing and how do I find relationships where I can build trust again. And, and, and maybe they begin outside of the person that you felt the brokenness or that you felt the hurt. But ultimately, it's, it's always this work of us working at the relationships that are in front of us. So God is saying one way you're going to turn the burn is to be building relationships in your life, the relationships that God brings into your life to help you get wholeness, to help you find uh, that healing that you need in your life, to help you advance in your life. The other part here I find interesting um, when he's saying that your desire shall be for your husband is, um, is sorry, that yeah, sorry, I already said that, this, uh, that the way back to wholeness, you know, would be through that relationship. And so he's going to bring, he specifically speaks, there's going to be enmity between her seed, between his seed and the devil's seed. And so, uh, you know, God, God has purposed, you know, to bring that back. And we find in um, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Therefore Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus took the curse, the curse that God pronounced back in the garden. You know, his own son comes to bear the weight of that curse, uh, to begin to turn uh, those things that are, that are blowing up, to, to begin to take all that potential that you and I left to ourselves will just go up and smoke. And God sends his own son to step into our place and, and, and to begin to help us to come back. Um, in Genesis chapter 6, in verse 6, and we know that right after Right after all this whole blow up, this whole mess at the beginning happens in Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 6, now God's getting ready to wipe out the entire world, right? 
Uh, he speaks to Noah and says, build yourself an ark because I'm coming uh, to wipe out because the heart of man is wicked, is only wicked all the time. His every intention is wicked. And it says there uh, in the opening verse of chapter 6, it says, and God's heart was filled with pain. You know, when you're facing pain, God feels your pain. When you're facing pain, God feels your pain. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it talks there about, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit, which is in you. You know, the Spirit of God can be grieved. You know, if we're not walking in a way that he wants us to, if we're not walking in a way uh, that's healthy, and if it's not, if we're not walking in a way um, that is helpful, you know, to the people that are beside us, that are walking with us in life, and the Holy Spirit feels uh, the grief of that when we're not walking in that place and that unity that God wants. So God feels our pain. Remember, when you're in the midst of pain, and, and we all do, we all go through it, you know, God feels that pain. And God feels it ultimately, uh, felt it through his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent in our place. Matthew chapter 7, you know, Jesus says there, uh, the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, who thought? You know, I never thought that when, when Jesus said that, that in the same way, when he was proclaiming this curse that was going to come upon you and me, that, that, was gonna, that he was going to feel the measure of what he was declaring. You know, it's powerful that when God is, is speaking something to you and me, uh, even in a disciplined way, he feels the weight of that. He carries uh, the weight of that. And so, so for the woman, you know, uh, her desire will be for her husband. It's, it's, it's that relationship that comes back, that desire uh, that comes back. And, you know, um, I've been married for 16 years, loving every minute of it. And, you know, there's times when my wife is frustrated with something. Sometimes it's me. And sometimes it's, you know, something else going on. But, uh, you know, I feel what she feels. And if I don't, she'll make sure that I do. But the importance of that, just coming back to your desire will be for your husband, is that when, as I said before, that uh, when you're... When the woman is feeling something, God intended it for the man too, because it's all about the relationship again. It's all about God using the relationship uh, to bring him uh, back to himself, to restore uh, the relationships that were broken through the curse, to begin to turn the burn once again. And so he's going to use relationship. You cannot find deliverance from your pain without there being relationships somehow involved in you, however solution that you're using to try and solve it. Second thing we see here, he says to Adam, uh, the ground is cursed for your sake. Interesting. The ground is cursed for your sake. He says that because he's going to use now the pain of the sweat and the toil and the fact now that Adam is going to be contending with weeds and thistles when he's trying to produce something, when he's trying to bring forth, you know, a provision for his family, whatever, uh, you know, we feel the same thing. And God intended that 
because it would make him aware, it would make Adam aware, it'll make you and me aware that we need to call out to God. We need to cry out to God. God, how do I deal with these weeds? You know, how do I produce a crop that's going to be fruitful, that's going to be abundant, that's going to uh, bless my family, that's going to bless those around me? So God's using it. You see, you see how God is using even the curse that he pronounces to help begin to give to Adam and Eve uh, how he, they're going to be able to turn this mess around with God's help. Uh, you know, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 23, and verse 4 to 5. There we go. Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road. So this is, this, these were the, the Moabites and uh, the Israelites after they'd come out of Egypt. Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor, of Mesopotamia to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. God is a God who turns the curse into a blessing. You know, and that's, again, that's what we see in Genesis. Right from the beginning, God intended to use the curse and to turn it into a blessing for you and me. And that's what he does here with Balaam. You know, Balaam comes out, if you read the, all the details of the story there, he comes out to curse the Israelites. Another king uh, by the name of Balak hires him uh, to come and curse. And every time he goes to curse, uh, the Lord puts a word in Balaam's mouth and he pronounces a blessing over the Israelites. And of course, Balak is, is completely ticked off. Uh, but, you know, God put that word in his mouth, which, by the way, it's interesting. He only put it in his mouth. He couldn't put it in Balaam's heart because Balaam was perverse. Balaam was doing what he was doing. He only went there because he was looking, uh, we find in First Peter, the wages of unrighteousness, right? So he was just doing it for, for uh, profit for himself. And, but yet, you know, God uses him to declare a blessing over his people. He puts his word in Balaam's mouth, and it says he turned the curse into a blessing. You know, the words that you and I speak are powerful. They are powerful. You know, there's a proverb that says that in the mouth is the power of life and death. Like, that's your mouth, my mouth. We have the power of life and death. And it says those who love it will eat its fruit. So that means if you love death, you're going to eat the fruit of those death words that you're speaking. But if you love life, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to reap uh, the fruit and you're going to eat that fruit for yourself as you speak uh, blessing over other people's lives. You speak blessing over your circumstances. You speak faith, you know, over the circumstances that you're facing. And so... And so we can turn, we can turn the curse into a blessing by the way that we speak, by the way that we declare things. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says there, for he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him. Powerful how Jesus stepped in to your place, to my place, in order to turn the curse 
that's upon our life, you know, to turn it into a blessing. The purpose of pain. What's the purpose of pain? Well, for one, we, we find here again, right back in Genesis, God speaking to the woman, and he says to her uh, here that, um, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. You know what? Even in pain, uh, God has purposed to bring forth new life. So the purpose of pain is, is to bring forth new life. God wants to birth life through you even when there's pain involved. And, and it is new life. Uh, you know, Jesus said that, you know, when a woman is going through that time of labor and travail, you know, there's sorrow upon her. There's pain, you know, and we've all been in those circumstances, you know, where, where it's painful in the moment. But it says afterwards when she's given birth, uh, she forgets about that pain and, and she enjoys that new life that she's brought forth. And so you need to look when you're in the midst of pain of realizing it's only momentary. It's only temporary. And, and good things are going to come out of it. There's going to be new life birthed through it. New life for you and new life for, for those around you. The second thing we learn for the purpose of, of pain is uh, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. And speaking of Jesus here, it said that though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And so... The second purpose of pain is, is for all of us to learn obedience and, and to learn that even when it's painful, I will choose to do what is right. I'm going to choose to do what's right, even when it's painful, because God's going to bring something good out of it. You know, you can see you, you have to you have to put a trust again and you have to have a trust in your relationship with the Lord. You have to have a trust in the midst of this that God's going to bring something good out of it. And one of those things here we find is learning for you to walk in obedience, for you to be able to do what's right, even when it's hard to do. The third purpose we find uh, that the purpose that God brings out of pain uh, is in Romans chapter six in verse five. It says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. You know, Jesus went through a lot of pain when he was, went to the whipping post, when he went to the cross, um, even before that, you know, all, all the persecution uh, that came up against him, all the people that stood against him. And yet it says that if we are united in the likeness of those difficulties, that we'll also be united in the likeness of his resurrection. And so the purpose of you going through your hard times is because now God wants to use it so you can identify and, and so appreciate what Jesus has done for you. Like if you, if you, if you did not experience any pain, and, and difficulties in your life. It, there's just no way that you could experience what Jesus could relate to what Jesus did for you um, on your behalf. There's no way that you could give him the praise and, and the glory and the worship as we were uh, doing earlier. There's no way that you could do that with genuineness in your heart unless you experienced those things. So that's what God wants. That's his purpose and what he wants to bring out of the pain. And, you know, it says um, 
And we won't go there. In Romans chapter 11, verse 35, it talks about those who are being persecuted, these people of faith. And it said that some of them refused to be delivered uh, from their tormentors, which they were obviously offering them a way out, but they refused to be delivered that they might attain a better resurrection. You know, better in the sense of, so we, we see that there's different levels to resurrection. There's different levels to glory. And it's, it's through the pain so often uh, that God brings you from one level to another. You know, it talks about us as, as believers going from glory to glory, right? By the Spirit of God, from glory to glory. And so the reason for pain in your life and through the repetition that, that goes on in all of our lives as we face it in different ways and different levels is to bring you and me from glory to glory so that we can share in the same resurrection uh, with Jesus, you know? So you have the opportunity to determine uh, how great and how glorious your resurrection is because we're all going to be resurrected. But, you know, it's just like the stars. One shines brighter than the other. And it's not, it's not a shorthanded thing on God's part. It's the choices that you and I are making. So we have the opportunity to come into as much of that glory um, as we choose, by just choosing to honor our God through it, by choosing to live out our relationships with one another the way that God encourages us. And then lastly, the fourth purpose of pain I have here, First uh, Peter 4 and 12, and that is it results in your ultimate joy. It results in your ultimate glory. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange considering the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. You know, again, pain uh, in, on God's part is only meant to be temporary. And there, there, it's, only for, it's only for a season. And yes, there might be other pain that you face later on. And again, not maybe, you will. But, uh, but you know, the pain in the moment uh, is only meant to be for the moment to bring you on to that next place of glory, to, to releasing you a joy that, wow, I was able to overcome this. I was able to, to live beyond this thing that was trying to press me down, that was trying to, to pull me down in life. So, you know, the purpose of pain is to bring forth life, for us to learn obedience to, to the Lord, uh, for us to attain a better resurrection, to appreciate what Jesus has done for us. And then, of course, to ultimately result in our joy. So how do we, how do we turn the curse into a blessing? Uh, some of the ways we've, we've spoken of already. But um, I can't think of a better way than the example of Jesus. And uh, I just want to take this from the, the point of, you know, his, his last number of days on earth. And I like to call it the G-force, because uh, there's, there's five Gs here. And the first one is Gethsemane, right? Jesus went to Gethsemane. You know, if you want to turn the burn, if you want to take the curse and turn it into a blessing, you have to be a person of prayer. You've got you you to get on your face. You've got to seek God. You've got to spend time with Him every day. You've got to take the pain, and you've got to take the problems, and you've got to take it to Him in prayer. Because that's, that's where Jesus, that's what he was doing in Gethsemane, right? In order to come through 
uh, on the other side. And, you know, I truly believe that Peter would have come through. He wanted to, right? Like he, his vow was, Lord, I, I, I'll die for you. But Peter wasn't able to do it. Well, why? Because he didn't, he didn't follow all the way through with prayer. It says that, you know, the disciples were exhausted from sorrow. And so they're sitting there and, and they kind of, they gave into that, um, and, and weren't able to press through in prayer. And prayer is, is such a big part of us learning to turn the curse into a blessing. Therefore, uh, another reason why we want to encourage you guys, you know, next week, uh, 6.30 to 8 o'clock uh, in the evening step to come out because we're going to pray. We're going to worship. You know, we're going to turn the curse into a blessing. We want to see revival break out in your lives. We want to see what God wants to do uh, with us as a local church, where he wants to move us on to because he does have a plan. He does want to move us on. You know, whether it's this building or not, uh, you know, God will show that forth in its time, but he does want to move us on. He does have new beginnings for us. And so we have to pray. We have to be a people who bring those things to pray. The second thing, Jesus went from Gethsemane, then he went to Gabbatha. Gabbatha was the place uh, that they called of judgment. That's where he came and he, he stood before Pilate. It was a huge, big um, paved area where the person on trial would stand before the judge. Well, you know, in life, we all face judgment, don't we? You know, we have people around us that, that judge us, that um, take a, a view of whether they think we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Uh, we know with Jesus, he lived a perfect life. Whatever judgment was proclaimed against him was not true. But in our lives, in judgment, sometimes things that people do say against us, we need to take it to heart. <laughs> and we need to, need to make some changes in our lives. And so we need to take those things again in prayer and, and say, God, you know, is there anything in this that I need to heed, that I need to wake up to in my life? But the things that aren't, you know, you, you, you just give those over to God. You give them over just like Jesus was when he was at Gabbatha. Was, he just had committed everything to his father. And, and so just realize that one of the ways of turning the curse into the blessing is not to be concerned with the mere judgment of man around you, right? God is your God. You know, God, God is the one that is with you. God is the one who's going to bring you through. And so we have to just let all the judgment of mankind um, fall to the side. And, and that's, that's so often why we're all afraid to step out into new things because we're, we're afraid of failure. We're, we're afraid of other people judging us uh, in those things. But you know what? Failure sometimes is the price that you pay for success. <laughs> you can learn through it. Like failure of itself, of course, is just failure. But if you learn from your failures, you were willing to step out into something and, uh, and, and there was failure and to some degree, whatever degree on your part, you can learn from that. You know, as a son, as a daughter of God, you can learn from that and, and succeed and move forward. The next thing we see that Jesus went from Gethsemane to Gabbatha, then he went to Golgotha. Right? That was, that was the place where he was crucified. That's the place where he ultimately laid down his life for you and me. You know, we all come to this place where we ultimately just have to lay down our life. You know, Gethsemane was a place of surrender uh, for Jesus. And when he, when he 
you know, sometimes us, like when we're in that place of prayer and you think you have breakthrough and you feel the surrender and it's good, but then all of a sudden it's like, what am I doing here? Like at the cross now, like laying my life down. And, you know, I thought I had breakthrough. Well, you did have breakthrough. You got breakthrough so that you could lay down your life. And sometimes for us, too, it's just that way. You know, maybe maybe it's in a workplace or whatever it is, and you don't like the way the other person's leading it or whatever. You just have to lay your life down. I mean, obviously, if it's something that's morally not correct, you don't do that. But aside from that, you just, you know what? It's like, they're the one that's the leader here. They're the one that, that uh, is making the final choice here. And, and those are just ways in which God uses in our life to just lay down our life. Then he went from Golgotha uh, to the garden. You know, interesting, isn't it, that when Jesus, after he was crucified, Joseph of Arimathea came and buried him in his own uh, tomb, uh, which it says was in a garden. So here's the son of man um, who came and who gave his life for you and me. And his body was laid in a garden. Just like Jesus said, you know, uh, unless the seed dies and falls into the ground, it abides alone. So when you plant a seed, where do you plant it? You plant it in a garden. You plant it in a place where you're expecting uh, for fruit and for multiplication to come forth. And so God wants to just encourage you, you know, if you're going to turn the burn in your life, just keep planting your seeds, even in the midst of the pain. Just keep planting the seeds. You know, he who goes out carrying seed to sow shall doubtless return, uh, bringing his sheaves with him uh, and with joy in his heart. And so just keep planting uh, your seed. And then finally, uh, Jesus went from the garden to glory, right? When he rose up from the dead, uh, he ascended. After spending 40 days with his disciples, it says that he was taken up uh, into glory, And so God, you know, he just wants to use these things. We're all meant to go, uh, as I said earlier, from glory to glory. It's repetitive. That's why when you get breakthrough in one area of your life, something else comes up. And and God just wants you to look to him again. He wants you to trust you. He wants you to trust him um, even on a new level in something. Because God wants to bring you from glory to glory. So I just want to encourage you with that word this morning. That God has always purposed to turn the curse into a blessing. He's always purposed uh, to bring purpose out of your pain and to bring forth life, to bring forth fruit uh, in you and through you. And so, Father, I just pray, God, for your people this morning. I pray for those listening online this morning. Um, God, you know what they've been going through. You know the things that they have endured and, and found very difficult. You know those who maybe right now they're just, they just want to give up. They just want to quit. But God, may they know that you stepped in their place. And that God, we can all be encouraged by that. That God, that you step, that you, you feel the full weight of the things that we feel in the moment that we're going through them. And, and your purpose is not for it to end. And God, even when we die, it's not the end. It's only the beginning, God, of something greater, of something better. And so, Father, I just pray your blessing upon those watching and those here this morning. Uh, God, they'll be encouraged, God, that you're bringing forth life in them. You are giving them opportunity after opportunity to have a better resurrection. And God, not just for themselves, 
but to take those with them that are around them, to take those you've given them the opportunity, God, to invest in in their lives. And so, God, bless them. Father, just let your word just sink deep into their hearts that it may bear the fruit for which you sent it forth. And we ask these things, Jesus, in your awesome and mighty name. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Maybe uh, you're here this morning. Maybe you're listening online. And you've never come to that place of just surrendering your life to Jesus. You've always wondered, you know, why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing all this pain in my life? And I just want to encourage you. It's because God wants you to know you can't live without him. You can't enjoy life without him. And so he's just inviting you, come and surrender. Just come to your Gethsemane this morning and surrender. And just say, Father God, and just maybe just pray this prayer with me. Father God, I give my life to you. Not my will, but yours be done. And I'm here, Father God, to accept that pain and the sacrifice that you did on my behalf. That I might have life eternal with you. Thank you for that great gift that you've given to me. And I'm here to live the rest of my days on earth for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, if you've prayed that prayer out of the genuineness of your heart, uh, please come see myself or one of the, the team up here. We would just love to be able to, uh, to spend some time, just pray with you and encourage you in your new walk with the Lord. Yeah. Just have a quick thing to say here. Um, the glory of God is his personality. And so when we're going from glory to glory, we are becoming more like him. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.